What's up, everybody? This is Athena, and you're here for another episode of Vanished in the Valley. So, I guess uh, we're going to stay on the little satanic panic kick. And today, I'm going to tell you about an 80s cult called the Finders Keepers. So, it all starts off on February 4th, 1987, in Tallahassee, Florida. There's a, a mom there, and she's with her kids, and she notices these two creepy white dudes that are in a coat and tie, and they have six white kids with them. They are about two years old to six, and they look kind of neglected. They're covered with insect bites, and they're kind of dirty, and just look improperly cared for. So this mom is probably like an old school crime junkie, because she takes the initiative and calls the police. And they show up and they start questioning the teachers and the two men say they're traveling to Mexico to start a school for brilliant children. When the police ask, okay, well, where are these kids' parents? This fucking guy replies, we're quote unquote weaning them from their mothers. Like, what the fuck? So the police are like, yeah, sure you are, you fucking pervert, and decide to arrest them on multiple counts of child abuse. That's when these two clowns fell to the ground trying to act like they were unconscious. Like, what are you, five years old? Do you really think that's going to be like, the cops are like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're just going to go away then because you're unconscious. So after uh, identifying themselves as Michael Houlihan, who's later on, they figure out his name is James Michael Hallwell, and Douglas Ammerman, who had no idea on him, they both failed to cooperate in answering any questions. So later on at the station, Hallwell pulled out two business cards with each of his two names on one side and a statement written on the other, alluding to know his constitutional rights to remain silent. So back at the park where the police initially arrested these two assholes, they found 1980 blue Dodge van. I wonder if it was like one of those pervert kidnapper vans, probably but it displayed Virginia license plates. When the police like inspected it, they found a disgusting mattress in the back that had maps, books, letters, 20 floppy computer disks. Holy shit, that's like a blast from the past. And basically a device that can be hooked up into a telephone line for computer transmissions, passport, and a bunch of condoms. After all eight persons were taken into police custody, a spokesperson described half a dozen kids as hungry and pretty pathetic well fuck man i'm i'm assuming this is the witness that called the police in the first place but she later states she had a five to seven minute conversation with one of the weirdos at the park and later came forth and testified that she believed the man she spoke to was high or something it was the middle of winter in northern florida and she said that he asked her if he knew of another local park with a swimming pond presumably to bathe the visibly disgustingly filthy children. After the oldest child, a girl named Mary Houlihan, possibly Michael, Michael's biological daughter, reaffirmed that they were being transported to a school in Mexico, informing the police that they had been living in a commune in D.C., later to determine to be the Finders, or the Finders Keepers, and that the cult leader was referred to as the game caller. Like, why do these cults always have to come up with these weird ass names? That should be like the number one sign of a cult and to run your ass away. 
Do they have weird fucking names instead of just their given name? Let's let's call them the Game Caller. Let's call them Vanguard. Always with the weird names. Jesus, people. So the leader, the Game Caller, was Marion Petit. And he would not allow the children to sleep in the house with the adults, but relegated them to living on the outside in tents. Mary claimed that they were only given food as a reward. So right here, I'm like, okay, is this some fucking... Obviously, it's a cult, but when you start restricting food and, like, using it as a reward, that's like brainwashing one fucking one right there. If you get people that are super hungry, tired, it's so easy to manipulate them. And they're kids, so they're easy to manipulate as it is. So this is just the kind of assholes we're dealing with. And just wait, it gets a whole lot worse. So the kids had never really been to school. They were totally unfamiliar with television sets, typewriters, staplers, even toilets. It stands in stark contrast with the adult finders. In early 1987, prior to the internet and private citizens even owning computers, the finders members actually possessed a number of computers and they were highly skilled at utilizing the latest technology. That right there, that total stark difference, the night and day difference, clearly attest to the lowly status of the kids as being subjugated, abusively exploited, sex slaves. Mary was the only child able or willing to verbalize responses to the police questions. The children were inadequately able to even identify themselves by name or what the name of the two scuzzy adults were, which kind of made the law enforcement suspicious. Maybe these kids were kidnapped. Like, where are these kids' parents? The Tallahassee Police Department at this point decides to contact the U.S. Customs and the Washington Metropolitan Police Department to basically try to figure out who the hell these people are. Who are these adults with these poor kids that look like they've been totally abused? And speaking of abuse, they did have the children examined and a physician was able to determine that Mary and a five-year-old boy named Max had been sexually abused. And Mary had become agitated prior to the physical examination when she was asked if she had been inappropriately touched by the adults. So the U.S. Customs was involved because there was talk of them, you know, taking them to Mexico. And as it turns out, it looks like they already had a case on these fucking weirdos. It was uh, actually Washington Metro Police that had the case opened. They opened the case in 1986 and it was led by Detective James Bradley. So with fresh search warrants in hand, they decide to go search the two DC Finders properties. Now, just check this part out. Two months prior to this, an informant had told the Metro PD that the Finders cult regularly engaged in blood rituals and sexual orgies involving children and an as yet unsolved murder. Officer Raymond J. Martinez, he was uh, from the U.S. Customs Agency, and he's a special agent, conducted a search on one of the finders' residents in Northwest Washington. <laughs> That's just, a, check this out, it's three miles from the future Pizzagate epicenter of Comet Ping Pong. There, he found several individuals on the premises, but only one finders member. Stuart Silverstone. Check out this shit, what they found in their computer room. The computers contained evidence 
of them being involved directly in global child sex trafficking and sexual abuse of children. And this part, I'm going to read it word for word directly from Martinez's U.S. Customs report. Cursory examination of the documents revealed detailed instructions for obtaining children for unspecified purposes. The instructions included impregnation of female members of the community known as finders, purchasing children, trading, and kidnapping. There were telex messaging which are basically an international message transfer system consisting of a network of teleprinters connected by a system of switched exchanges subscribers to a telex service can exchange textual communications and data directly and securely with one another so basically just like the way old school internet that's what the internet used to be nothing like today but just think of that as the 1980s version of the internet. So there were telex messages using MCI account numbers between a computer terminal believed to be located in the same room and others located across the country and in foreign locations. One such telex specifically ordered the purchase of two children in Hong Kong to be arranged through a contact at the Chinese embassy there. I'm just like, fuck, man. There were also papers expressing an acute interest in bank secrecy situations, high-tech transfers to the UK, numerous properties under the control of the finders, and a keen interest in terrorism, explosives, and evasion of law enforcement. It's like, holy shit, dude. These people are like balls deep and all bad. I'm just like, I don't even know. So you may be wondering, how does this cult have all this technology? And this is like crazy, like super top shelf computer technology for the 80s. This part here is about to blow your minds because I know when I first saw it, I was just like, what the actual fuck? So I guess within a few hours of the arrests in Tallahassee, Martinez, the customs agent, discovered the confidential arrest records of the two finders and the six children taken into custody the night before. To me, that screams like CIA or some other like alphabet soup uh, organization in the government because they're basically like in real time tipped off to the Florida arrest. And as soon as that happens, finders across the world are getting warned. They have a sophisticated worldwide computer network and they immediately start broadcasting instructions on move the children, keep them moving through different jurisdictions and instructions on how to avoid law enforcement. So right after the Tallahassee arrests, Lieutenant Lee Hart from Culpeper Police Department, where the finder's leader, Marion Petit, owned real estate, stated that Petit would, quote unquote, Go to Andrews Air Force Base and get a military plane flight to China. How does this crackhead have access to U.S. military flights? How are they getting tipped off about this? And how do they have state-of-the-art computer networks capable of warning all of the other members in real time? Somebody in a government level has to be involved, in my opinion. Actually, in a lot of people's opinion. And... A lot of people don't even know about the finders. This what this story was harder to research than even the McMartin case. If you even if you look on it now, like if you try to find documentaries about it or anything like that, they're all gonna like 
kind of, I don't want to say like conspiracy theories because now I'm considered a conspiracy theorist, but it all seems to come from like total fringe type, uh, I guess, creators. But this shit all happened. There's documents to prove it. There's court documents, arrest documents, and the FBI actually just declassified a whole bunch of paperwork on these people. It's all on the internet if you guys want to see. So the documents the FBI just dumped about the Franklin, whatever these weirdos are, it's 650 pages. And it's like old school Xerox copies that are then like put into the internet. So it's not an easy read. But I read through that motherfucker and I took some screenshots of different documents that literally say the CIA was definitely involved. Guess what? Uh, the head honcho, Marion, his wife worked for the CIA and so does his son. So these FBI documents literally state that and even more. So if you want to see all of this crazy stuff that I screenshotted from 650 report from the 90s, go to the Instagram, I'll put pictures up and you can actually read it. And you know, obviously I just took pictures of like the highlights, but you can go on the FBI website, anybody can, and they can get the same information. So go check it out. Um, I had to go and actually like read a blog to find a lot of this information. And if you go to empireexposed.blogspot, you can find a whole bunch of stuff about the Finders, the McMartin case, and even the Franklin scandal. I wish I had known about this place when I first started delving into the whole satanic panic bullshit the media created back in the 80s. So two days after the initial arrest of these assholes, Martinez joined Metro Detective Bradley at the Finders warehouse location. And... I'm about to describe some of the pictures they found there. So uh, you got to put the big boy, big girl panties on for this shit. So it's described as an enormous collection of photos believed to be both nude adult finders and nude children. One picture depicted a child, quote unquote, on display and appearing to accent the child's genitals. There was a photo album that had a series of photos of adults and children dressed in white sheets, participating in a quote-unquote blood ritual. There were pictures taken on Petit Madison's county farm, which showed two goats being ceremonially executed, disemboweled, skinned, and dismembered, including the male goat's testes and a female goat's womb containing dead babies. One photo was of a crying, traumatized child being presented the goat's head by an adult. So, who the fuck would... I, I don't know. I'm going to keep saying this throughout this episode. Who the fuck would think any of that's okay to do to a child and take pictures of it? We're obviously dealing with fucking disgusting people. Some of the other stuff found in this warehouse were documents pertaining to the finder's activity around the world. Now, let me just list some of these locations they found associated with these people. They had London, Germany, the Bahamas, Soviet Union, Costa Rica, Japan, China, Russia, Malaysia, places all over Africa. They had files labeled with prominent families' names. And it seems like what they would do 
is apply for babysitting, tutors, nanny type jobs for these families and kind of get as much information about what their habits are, who lives in the house, the occupations, just as much information as they could on these families. And these families had no connections to the finders at all. So it seems like this intelligence gathering operation, it seemed really professionally run. Like it doesn't seem something like some 60s hippie dippy cult could just come up with on their own. And the amount of money it would take to pull off all of this, it seems like something only a government would be able to support. In 1987, the Northwest Residence and the Northeast Warehouse had installed large satellite systems. Like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Satellite systems? Each location had hot tub, jacuzzis, and saunas. And the Finder's Warehouse contained a large library, two kitchens, a video room that served as a training area for the kids, and they were able to make their own videos. And back in 1987, that was no easy feat. So based upon the volumes of child porn they had, it seemed like, is like, is that what this main operation was? Because what it leads me to believe is they were making child porn, supplying kids for sexual abuse, and getting either rich businessmen, government officials, people basically in high positions of power, getting them in compromising positions and getting photographic or video evidence of this. I'm not sure exactly how the the ritual abuse, like, you know, all that goat shit came into play. Maybe that was to traumatize the kids, to get them to be more compliant. I'm really not sure because it seemed like from the start, they're finding, like, evidence of mind-controlled torture and... It's just like there's evidence they were forcing the kids to eat feces, drink urine, have excrement smeared on them. And I'm sorry, but that's got to mess a kid up. And all of it just leads me to believe they're either trying to brainwash these kids or scar them into complacency. So as Martinez is leaving the warehouse with all of this evidence... It becomes apparent to him that somebody at the Tallahassee Police Department had leaked this information because press in Florida and D.C. were there and asking questions. It's just like, okay, so it's the the police department as low as, you know, Tallahassee, they're infiltrated. And as we go on, you're going to see other police departments seem like they're infiltrated And that's also what's pointing me in the direction of some sort of alphabet soup organization within our government was involved because some crazy shit is about to go down. Three days now after the arrest, Roman Martinez is signing his five-page U.S. Customs report. The Washington Post was also breaking the big sensational story with the following headline. Officials describe cult rituals and child abuse case. The Washington Post now will basically be the opposite of something like that. They'll deny and ridicule any type of any mention of pedophile rings and just act like it never happened. But in the 1987 article, it reported that prior district court records, police source reported that a 40 adult membership of the Finders cult conducted brainwashing techniques at the warehouse as well as the duplex. 
The source claimed that cult recruitment promised financial reward and sexual gratification, as well as let's explore Satanism. <laughs> what a fucking tagline. A court affidavit from this source also maintained that members of the group used children in rituals and that the children's grandparents feared for their safety. Well, I wonder why. Don't get your hopes up because you're like, damn, there's all this evidence. Even the press knows. Well, despite all of this evidence, despite proof of a global child sex trafficking ring, it seems like all of this was for nothing because less than a week after the two pedophile traffickers were in custody in Florida, the D.C. Metro Police Department declared the finders weren't criminals. The Washington Post's February 10th headline read, D.C. Police Finders Odd, Not Criminal. The day before at a press conference, the D.C. Police Chief Maurice T. Turner Jr. told the world this, and I'm quoting, The lifestyle of the so-called finders organization may different from social norm, but so far, the Metro Police Department has not uncovered any evidence of criminal wrongdoing by any members. I mean, I, I guess besides uh, all the child porn, and what about all those kids that were obviously sexually abused and neglected? I'm just like, Jesus Christ. It's like every time I find one of these, can't just one of them get prosecuted? Just one. I'll be happy with one at this point. But no. So on March 31st, 1987, Officer Martinez contacted the MPD's lead detective, Bradley, to assess the evidential findings and presumably resume the case. I mean, they were all working on it together and they arranged for a meeting on April 2nd. But check this out. When Martinez showed up, the lead MPD investigator was not there. Another person was there in his place. And he was actually instructed only to discuss the case strictly off the record. At this meeting, he was told the finders member's passports were handed over to the State Department. But after, I guess, looking through all the evidence and deciding these perverts weren't actually guilty of breaking any laws, all the passports were handed back to the adult finders. And I'm just like, what the fuck? The passport record showed they had made trips to Moscow. North Korea, China, North Vietnam. And this was all in the Cold War era. You know, you're not allowed to do business with these countries, these people. But for some reason, the finders were allowed to and nobody blinked an eye. I used to work for a bank and there was a fucking list of countries we were not allowed to do business with. And if somebody did try to do business or tried to transfer money or something like that, we had to notify the State Department right away. But these people were just allowed with impunity to do business in these countries and traffic children. I just, it gets super discouraging reading about shit like that, how our government justifies and sanctions child abuse. Above all other crime, child abuse? Just so you can fucking blackmail somebody? Really? What kind of fucking black-souled piece of shit even would come up with an operation like this? I, was, I would love to get to the beginning of it. When did all these operations start taking place? And who was in charge of the FBI or the CIA then? Because I'm going to fucking leave it at their doorstep. They're the ones that started this madness that continues to this day. 
Look at Epstein. He did the same shit. He had underage girls hook up, have sex with businessmen, princes, political figures. And it was recorded for blackmail. It's like, it seems to be the oldest trick in the book at this point. And I've heard different CIA or ex-CIA operatives say that they don't deal in honeypot. They don't deal in sex. Yeah, fucking right, homeboy. I totally believe that one. So after Martinez finds out that the passports have been handed over, he describes in this final report as follows, and I'm quoting, The individual further advised me of circumstances which indicated that the investigation into the activity of the finders has become a CIA internal matter. The MPD report has been classified secret and was not available for review. I was advised that the FBI had withdrawn from the investigation several weeks prior and that the FBI Foreign Counterintelligence Division had directed the MPD not to advise the FBI Washington Field Office of anything that had transpired. No further information will be made available. No further action will be taken. So... Like a snap of a finger, everything is stopped. No more journalists are looking into this. No more law enforcement is looking into this. It's just like with a stroke of a pen, everything is shut down. All the blatant criminal evidence that was discovered. Let's just go back to the beginning. The kids were proved to have sexual abuse and they were neglected. All of the pictures and the videos of the child sexual abuse, none of that mattered. So right there, just from that last little paragraph I read you from Martinez's report that the CIA had now classified it and nobody could really get any more information, right there is proof that our government is involved in trafficking of children, abusing children, and a worldwide network of it. And I just don't, I don't know if the American citizens as a whole don't know about this or just don't believe it because even I have friends where I, I can like literally tell, like read them, tell them this kind of evidence and they don't believe me. Even if I show them these documents, they say something like, oh, they must be forged. That can't be true. It's like, Look, I get it's fucking terrible and it's horrible. And you don't want to think of America, you know, the greatest country on earth. You don't want to think of it as having the people in control being this disgusting and heartless to A, even think of an operation that uses children like this, but to actually have it go on for decades and decades and to have so many people involved, like how many times has the FBI or police department gotten involved in a situation, colluded, covered it up, and journalists are just all too happy to cover it up with them. I thought the whole point of journalism was to let the people know what's going on in an unbiased manner. Obviously, I was quite mistaken because all mainstream media that I come across anyway, it's all propaganda. It's just like, I can't even watch it. It's just fucking heartbreaking. And the worst part is these poor kids, after they get sexually abused for years, 
they usually end up getting killed. Like I think I was telling you a few episodes ago, they make snuff videos of these kids. And these snuff videos are all over the fucking internet. It's disgusting. And if you search hard enough, you can find them. In 1994, a couple of Congress members actually wanted to reopen the case because they felt that criminal evidence had been received. And they felt that, hey, maybe the police department can actually act on this evidence they collected. But nothing ever came of it. And a U.S. news reported that Petit, in 1994, described the finders as a communal, holistic living and learning arrangement, all harmlessly benign. And then, after the 1987 fallout that resulted in many of the women and mothers leaving the group, the number of finders had fallen to half, basically to 20. Petit stated his members did freelance journalism, research, and competitor intelligence for a variety of foreign clients, but never governments. And despite admitting that his late wife was a CIA employee and his son worked with the CIA front Air America, which is notorious for smuggling opium, I know you guys need to check that out if you don't know about that, Petit himself insisted he has no ties to the CIA and he would never do any spying. So, I don't know, guys. I mean, I could make this a 17-part episode with all the evidence that came out with the FBI dump of their documents recently, but I don't know. It's, it's just so heartbreaking that how many times and how many scandals has to happen before the public gets sick of it. Everybody now, if you say Pizzagate, they think you're fucking crazy. And even if you back up the whole, even if you back up what you're saying with proof, they're still not going to believe you. I, I don't know if they don't want to, they're not ready to, or they are just maintaining that ignorance is bliss. I, I sometimes wish I had the ignorance so I could fucking sleep well at night. But I know in my heart, I'd rather know what's truly going on and, you know, give me the brutal fucking truth any day over blind ignorance. I just, uh, I don't know, guys. I think, like I was saying before on a couple episodes ago, the only thing I can think of to do is to spread the word, is to get enough people to know about what's actually going on and get them to spread it to their friends. And you might risk losing some friendships because suddenly they're going to call you a conspiracy theorist. But do you really want to be friends with somebody that is that ignorant, that willfully blind, that they couldn't even put aside their bias for 10 minutes to listen to the evidence you have to say? I mean, I don't know. All of it, it's, it's, a, it's a fucked up situation. I don't think there's any easy solutions because so many roadblocks are going to be put up probably every step of the way. And I don't know. I, all I can say is fucking be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Cha-chow. Are you long?